Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, your host, with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you, brother? It's a good day here, my friend, walking close and in the valleys of the trenches of life, but God is good. And that's okay, because he's in the valleys and the trenches with you. He's got a sword and a staff and a rod, and uh, he's got all you need, so it's cool. Well, friends, we have been talking about not a pivotal word or phrase from Scripture, but a pivotal issue in life. We've been talking about affairs, adultery. And I want to continue that topic one more time today and sort of focus in on the cautions, the warnings. And, you know, Proverbs is such a great place to look, Frank, for practical advice. And it begins with these thoughts. Hey, give heed to the instruction of your father. Listen to your mother. Listen to wise counsel. You don't have to make every mistake on the planet. You can learn from somebody else. And so what I want to do today, Frank, is spend some time looking at a few Proverbs, what they have to say, how they caution us to keep our minds focused on our Father. Because, my friend, as you know, there are consequences if we don't. And when it comes to affairs and adultery and divorce and destroying families and destroying marriages, the consequences can be really painful and lifelong. I'm just going to throw one out there. And this is a pretty vivid warning from Solomon in Proverbs chapter seven, talking about the man who chased after a harlot. He said, immediately he went after her just as an ox goes to the slaughter <laughs> or a fool to the correction of the stocks. Frank, this is a really mm. vivid picture of despite how attractive and alluring the counterfeit might be, there's danger. There's death just inside the threshold, isn't there? Oh, yeah, John. You know, I'm really glad that you put out the idea of coming back and dealing with this issue one more time. In all those years of counseling, I never met the person who said, I knew I was going to commit adultery before I got married. I knew this was going to happen to me. They all have that same thought. I never would have dreamed this would happen. We are all very weak, frail human beings apart from God. And we have a world system that's evil, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life that tries to draw us away from God. And we have an enemy who's a liar a murderer, a destroyer. And so scripture says, be alert, be on guard like a sentry on his post guarding the fort. The enemy goes about like a ravening and roaring lion, seeking whom he devour. The scripture says, take heed lest you fall. 
this is a great danger for all of us. And the enemy doesn't come to us, John, saying, hey, I'm going to destroy you. That would make us pretty aware. <laughs> what he does <laughs> right. is he sneakily comes up and says, look at this. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't this good? Don't you deserve it? Oh, it's going to fulfill you. And like it happens, John, uh, it's an enticing voice, but we get led to the slaughter. There are devastating consequences for not doing things God's way. That's right. And you know, you've talked about how enticing these counterfeits can be. I want to go back to one of the Proverbs that we mentioned briefly last time, Proverbs 4, says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Well, Frank, why do you think Solomon said that? Because the path is exciting. It's alluring. <laughs> it's, it's enticing. It looks interesting. Ooh, I wonder what's down this path. And so he says, hey, if, it, if you know it's evil, despite how it looks, just don't go there. Proverbs 5, this is one of my favorites. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is wow. smoother than, oh, wow. And her mouth, Frank, is smoother than oil. But in the end, mm. she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. We use the analogy a hollow bunny a lot in our writing mm. and in our speaking. You know, something that looks attractive on the outside, but has got no substance. Frank, this is worse than a hollow bunny. This mm. is a hollow bunny filled with razor blades. Mm. This is how my mind pictures a woman with a mouth smoother than oil, but bitter as wormwood on the inside. Wow, what a vivid description. Mm. We need to pay attention, don't we? You know, the enemy's temptation is this is enticing. This is pleasurable. This is good. And, and unfortunately, we as human beings are such time critters, uh, people of the moment. We often don't take the time to stop and think of the consequences. I raise my children on a mantra, John, and it's uh, choices have consequences. Make good choices. But unfortunately, in the moment, all it takes is a brief look at that which we should not be looking at, a quick decision of the will to do something that's contrary to who we are, and it can have a lifetime of consequences. You know, John, I've in dealing with young people and trying to warn them of this danger over the years, I've used this illustration where if they're on one side of a fence and I'm sitting on top of the fence and we lock arms, even though I might outweigh that young person by 70 or 80 pounds, they're going to pull me down because they have the more sure foundation. I'm on the fence and the fence is very narrow. But if I make the decision ahead of time to be on the other side of the fence from where they are, and then we grab hands over that fence, <laughs> they're never going to pull me over that fence. That's right. I might not be able to pull them over either, but there is a dividing line that I have predetermined. And this is the way we have to treat this, John. We've got to make the decision ahead of time. 
oh my goodness, I just had something pop in my brain. This is the words from a song back in the 80s. Let's see if I can pull it up to remembrance. What appears to be a harmless glance can turn to romance and homes are divided. Feelings that should never have been awaken within, tearing the heart in two. Listen, I beg of you, guard your heart. It says, um, the human heart is easily swayed at the hand of emotion. You dare not leave the outcome to chance. You must choose in advance or live with the agony of such needless tragedy. Guard your heart. Wow. It's powerful stuff, John. Yes, it is. Hey, and congratulations for remembering those lyrics so well. (laughs) Maybe you're not as old as you think you are. You know, Frank, you talked about the idea of a fence, you know, determining beforehand what will and will not happen. Proverbs is filled with advice like that. Let me just pull up something from a little further on in Proverbs 5. And uh, Solomon says this, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Now, I have remembered that verse for years. It's a great one. It's one of my favorites. And it addresses something we've been talking about, setting your mind. Father showed this to me as I was preparing for this specific episode, that he uses two unique and very different words for water sources in that verse, cistern and running water from your well. And what he brought to mind was, think of the joy of your honeymoon. Everything was lovely and perfect. And the the person was just absolutely wonderful. And it was just a time of bliss. And, you know, Father has times like that. He gives us times like that in our marriage, where we just drink from each other like a bubbling spring. I've been married 44 years. And I've raised five kids and had lots of jobs. So I know this from experience. Sometimes the trenches of life settle in and there's just not a whole lot of running water from a bubbling spring when you when your wife looks at you or you look at your wife or you look at your family. And so in that sense, a father says, hey, you need to not only have a spring, but you need to have a cistern where you're saving up that running water from your spring. Because there'll be times when there just might not be much water coming from that spring. And so you turn to that cistern, that storehouse of of memories and experiences and things you've enjoyed together, struggles and challenges and the issues of life that you worked through and trusted your father through that have bonded you together. Those are the things that I pack, Frank, in my cistern. So when my wife is not having the greatest of days or we're wrestling with aging and near-death parents or illness or what have you, I can draw on that cistern of relationship and I can be satisfied because even though she might not feel it or show it at the moment, I know she loves me beyond Hmm. measure. Yeah, so I, I think this is really cool, Frank, that Father put both of those types of water in his word. Yeah, I think that you're on to something there, John. You know, we use this phraseology with a lot of people. We say connect the dots. 
that over the course of your faith journey with God, he gives you these various dots of his faithfulness and his love. So that when you're in a present tense moment that is difficult, doesn't make sense, all that, you connect the dots of the past so that you can look at the present and say, wow, God has proven himself is going to be okay. You're taking that same thought and applying it to a marriage in terms of the cistern. We had this dot and that dot and this dot and that dot. Now, in the present tense, the water flow, the spring, well, it might have been shut off. But connect the dots that are stored up in that cistern. And John, I think you're on the right path because I believe later on in that chapter of Proverbs, it says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Isn't that right? Oh, oh yes, sir. Just a few voices later. And, you know, as I've, as I've thought about, you know, you always talk about yourself as being a, a handsome football star, poster, child, model, what have you, and how was. attractive you are. It was. You know, I tell you, man, I am not the supermodel I was 44 years ago when I walked down that aisle. And I tell you, neither mm. is my bride. Mm. And if we set our minds on what the the counterfeits will try to tell us, that, hey, you can go back to that initial stage in your life. Frank, that is just so hollow, so empty, so dangerous. It's interesting. That verse is verse 18 in Proverbs 5, just three verses later. And it says this, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So no matter what your circumstances are, when you look at your wife or you look at your husband, see them through the eyes of God. Because in father's eyes, they are perfect and loved and sufficient and full cups and they are blessed and they can be a blessing to you just as they were when you were young. Hmm. And so, you know, look at your wife, look at your husband through the eyes of your father. If you can't do that, ask him to open the eyes of your understanding so you can see him or see her as you've never seen them before. And then I say, Father, I trust you to love her through me. I don't know what love looks like when I'm in my 60s, but Father, you do show me what that looks like. I want to show that to her. And I know she wants to receive it and then show that same love back to me. Mm -hmm. So the dynamic doesn't change, Frank. The circumstances might change, but the dynamic mm. of drawing our life from God and then sharing that life with each other never changes, does it? Mm. No. And then you've got that track record of the faithfulness of God in the past, where you connect those dots and you say, look at this. For 40 years, we have been a team. We fought through this. We fought through that. Love was extended. Wow. Look at who we are today because of where we've been. That's, that's a historical present. Like when Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. He wasn't present tense, but he was past tense. And that past influenced how he viewed the present. And that's kind of what we're saying here. We built this life and that life by faith in God will continue. And you know, John, it comes back to what you said earlier, the setting of the mind. You know, in the book of Lamentations, there's this amazing account where Jerusalem had been burned to the ground and Jeremiah was sitting in the rubble and he was 
pouring out his lament. Oh, Father, this is so horrible. This is so horrible. Remembering my affliction, remembering my affliction all day long. And therefore, I have no hope and no peace. Well, of course, where was your mind? And then all of a sudden, he said, but this one thing I do, I remind myself of the faithfulness of God. He connects the dots of God's faithfulness to Israel over all those many years. And then he says these words, great is thy faithfulness, O God. Every morning, your mercies are new. And John, the amazing thing to me, his circumstances didn't change. Jeremiah changed. Yeah, his mindset but, changed. Oh, yeah. And he recognized who God is and put his faith in him and took his first step out of the rubble. And it's the same thing you're saying with this spouse of ours. We remember who they were. We remember who they've been to us and who we were to them. And with that foundation, one, two punch, the life of God in me and the team we've been over the years, we take that first step out of that valley and back into the banquet table that awaits us out of the valley. Amen. Yes, sir. Frank, I have one more thought I want us to kick around today. And this is a little more foundational uh, to everything we've talked about. I want to go to Ephesians 5. And usually when you talk about wives and husbands, you start at verse 22 and you say very forcefully, wives, submit to your husbands, putting the emphasis on the word submit. But oh, yeah. I don't want to start there, Frank. I want to go back just one verse. Ephesians 5, 21, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, submitting doesn't mean become a doormat, Frank. It means to come underneath, to lift up someone as more important than you are. Well, Frank, this is foundational. You can do this in day one of your marriage together, and you need to do it in year 44 or year 64 of your marriage. This idea of submitting out of reverence to Christ and lifting each other up has got to be foundational or else you're really going to struggle. This is like bedrock truth right here, isn't it? Oh, John, like you said, everybody loves that. Well, the men love Ephesians 5.22. The women hate it uh, because <laughs> the men love it. And what the church has failed to understand is verse 20. There is a mutual submission. It is a mutual submission based on the life of Christ who submitted himself to us. And all the rest of that passage, wives, you submit to your husbands. Well, husbands, you submit to her by loving her enough to die for her. Children, you submit to your parents. Well, parents, you submit to the best interest of your children. Slaves, submit to your master or employees. And employers, slave masters, you submit to the best needs of the slave or the employee. All of life is submission to each other. But what the church has done is we picked and choose which one of those we want to listen to and left the foundation out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, you can't lift one verse 
out of context and just plaster it. This is a package. It's the same mindset. It's sacrifice. You know, Frank, you and I, over our podcast episodes, have sort of defined love. The definition I think we sort of settled on is doing the most constructive and redemptive and honoring thing for someone. Well, this is exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? Looking at my wife, looking at my husband and saying, what can I do that's the most honoring and redeeming and restoring and constructive thing for my spouse? Mm. And that's the mindset. And uh, of course, the only way you know that is by saying, Father, how shall I love her today? What does love look like to him today? And I trust you to show that through me to my spouse. So this is what we're talking about, isn't it? It's so Mm -hmm. pivotal, so foundational. Well, you know, John, it's interesting. I had this long conversation with someone yesterday. They were presenting to me so much varied knowledge that they had, but in their life, they weren't manifesting according to their knowledge. And I said to them, there's just too many trees I can't see the forest. You've just got so many trees. Or let me use another analogy. You just dumped up a bunch of puzzle pieces and you said, I'm an expert on that piece and this piece and that piece and this piece, but they never put the puzzle together. And I had to remind them, there's a charge in the Corinthian letters that, boy, it ought to be stamped on the forehead of every believer. Never lose the simplicity of Christ. And I think sometimes we get all caught up in the doctrines and the theology. One of the things that Jesus said that's so profound, he did not come to be served. He came to serve. John, if we would just implement that, I'm here to serve you, my bride. And my bride said, well, I'm here to serve you. Well, I'm going to serve you first. Well, I'm going to, and we just outserved each other. <laughs> With no hook, I'm going to serve only until you serve. If you don't serve, I'll stop serving. This is agape love, love that does that unconditionally. John, we would not only turn our marriages upside down, we'd turn the churches upside down, we'd turn the world upside down, because God himself said they'll know we're his disciples by the love. It sounds so easy, but my friend, this can feel like the hardest thing for us, especially when in a marriage, we have been following different paths and we've not made a habit of choosing to lift one another up. So it's going to seem awkward. It's going to seem difficult. It's going to seem like it's never going to work. In fact, the enemy will make sure you hear words like this. You're wasting your time. She'll never respond. He'll never respond. It's a lost cause. Just move on to plan B. Look for somebody else. You know you can find somebody better. Frank, this is hard work, isn't Mm -hmm. it? And I'm going to let you close off with that. Well, faith, John, you know, we like to think sometimes that it's just this easy peasy, trust God. The Apostle Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. But the Greek language there is so inspirational. Fight the good fight. But it sounds like a rallying cry. Let's go. Let's charge. But in the Greek, it's actually agonizing the good agony of faith. It's hard amidst the trenches of life where people frustrate you, hurt you, betray you, deceive you, don't treat you the same way you treat them. 
it's hard in a world where we see all of that and we don't see God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's an agony to trust the God we cannot see over against what we do see. But here's the key. We have the promise of God. My God shall supply all your needs. Not all our desires. Very important to clarify. Not all our wants, but our needs. With that as our solid hope or confidence, Philippians 2, Paul wrote these words. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, and every one of those, John, is if and there is, we could translate it since. Since there's the Holy Spirit, since we have encouragement, since we have fellowship with him, since we have love, affection, and compassion, therefore, maintain the same love. Be united in spirit and intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not look out merely for your own interests. So it's okay to look for your interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mindset that Christ had. He knew who he was. He was by nature God, but he humbled himself and became a servant, laying down his life for others. John, this is our confidence. First John 3, 16. He laid down his life for us. This is our confidence. He will meet our needs. Now we lay down our lives for the brethren. If we would, the problem is, you know what I see? We look at each other and say, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah because I don't, I'm not going to be stuck doing this and you're not going to do it. And I'm going to look like a fool. And so, yeah, I understand. But, you know, we love God because he first loved us. He took a risk, Frank, because... He just loved people who have a hard time loving him back. But he loved first. He was vulnerable. Uh, and he was vulnerable, Frank, to the point of death. When we struggle in our relationship, oftentimes uh, we'll say, well, I've had enough. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Well, Christ's life in us is able to go beyond that threshold. Mm -hmm. As you said, even to the point of death. Well, you know something, John, when you said love is a risk, I thought in my brain of our old friend Juan Carlos Ortiz. Do you remember when he said to us, he's like a trapeze? And we're oh, like, oh, yes. what? And he goes, a trapeze. And we're like, what? And finally, we, we understood what he was saying. The trapeze artists. He said they do all these wonderful flips and all this kind of thing high above the ground. How can they do that? Because there's a safety net below them. That allows them to attempt great things because even when they fail, even when it doesn't go right, the net is gonna catch them and they'll be able to try again. Loving people is a risk. It is, John. They could hurt us. If we don't realize that, we'll never take the risk. Jesus is our safety net. He will catch us. 
even when we get hurt, even when we get betrayed and deceived, the safety net of his love will catch us. And that allows us to take the risk. That's right. Well, friends, you've been listening to Frank and John as we've been talking about in this episode, the fences, how to make proactive decisions to keep your mind set on your father and steer away from the uh, adulterous traps that the enemy is going to lay in front of us. If this has blessed you or challenged you or helped you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us. Just go to our website, OurResoluteHope.com. There's a contact page there. Let us hear from you. We'd love to learn about your circumstance and pray for you if you're going through a valley. Also, while you're there, take some time, browse around. There's lots of information. We constantly update it. Check out our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, our growing YouTube channel. And I know we're getting long, Frank, so I'll wrap it up quickly. Today and always, remember, there is a hope. You are never hopeless. So today and always, choose that hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.